Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Celtic state of mind. It says 12.30 on my watch. Colin Watts, hopefully we're not late. It is a Wednesday and it's a new look Wednesday today uh, because we've had a wee shuffle of the pack and I am joined by Colin Watt and Patrick McGulp, back from your holiday. I hope you had a good time and I hope you had a good weekend as well. Um, I'm pretty sure some aspects of that weekend will be filtering into our conversation today. Colin Watt, before we get stuck into some of the, the most specific points, Talk me through your weekend, the experience that you had over the weekend. Remember, this is a, a family show, an afternoon hour. Paul, come on. Uh, you've been up to then? <clears throat> no, uh, Saturday, obviously, up for the game. Great atmosphere around the ground. Um, drinking from early hours, which I don't encourage. Uh, to late hours, which again, I don't encourage. Um, but no, great atmosphere at the ground. Um Speak a bit more about the game later on and the atmosphere inside the ground. Uh, but yeah, always uh, always a fantastic weekend when we get three points off that mob. It is. Uh, and Patrick, obviously you were jetting about over the last uh, week or two. Were you back in time for the game? Absolutely. Aye, I was. I was back. Came back Wednesday, actually. Um, and then, you know, a few days work. Out karaoke. Friday night, uh, just to prepare myself, get myself in the mood for the derby. And then uh, I, a bit like uh, Colin, drinking a wee bit too early and drinking a wee bit too late as well. But, um, you know, it was all worth it, all worth it. And, you know, I was I was a bit, a bit uh, cautious before the game. I thought we were going to get a draw. Um, so I was, I was delighted with the result. Obviously, mm. we're sort of gifted two goals from their mistakes, but I'm sure we'll get onto that later. But, no, a fantastic Easter weekend. It definitely was. Um 
And with regards to that, going into the game, I think, you know, the, the Axon episodes leading into the, the big match were pretty cautious, uh, other than one or two who thought we were going to give them a, a right hammering. Um, so when we went 3-1 one, one up, that's when I started to relax a little bit uh, and I thought we were in absolute control. What Patrick says there about the mistakes, obviously we've been hearing the the most amount of excuses I can ever remember, Colin, in the aftermath of a game like this, in the aftermath of a Celtic victory. We're going to be seeing a different team in the cup semi-final. You know, it was all down to the mistakes. It was all down to the Morelos challenge. I'm going to start off with that because the tagline states, this is why Celtic are not half of anything. You'll remember the uh, famous tweet that's still out there from Celtic's official channel, and that is basically it. One club since 1888, we're not half of anything. This is why we don't want to be half of that fabled term, the old firm. I mean, that's the that's the terminology that was used on the front page um, of one of the biggest tabloids uh, in Scotland, Colin. And basically what it's saying is it's a joint issue. Well, it's not a joint issue because Celtic and the Celtic fan base had nothing to do with what happened to Kevin Clancy post-match. No, no, they didn't. Um, but you know it sells papers just by putting those two words together because you put one team down and the other fans complain saying oh but this that and the next thing the biggest problem with Scottish football generally is what about it because you can't say something without the other half saying oh but this happened and remember when that happened seven years ago in a cup final is that what you're talking about Kenny Miller I mean the the whole what about it is is pathetic just own up to the mistakes that you've made at the time and then you can move on from it. It's it's pathetic. And see, to be honest, watching the game being there, I thought Clancy had a pretty terrible game for both sides. I think he had a pretty poor game overall. Um, it kind of shows that he's probably not one of the top referees in Scotland. Some of the stuff that he missed. And VER does what VER does. I mean, you know I'm not the biggest fan of it. Never have been. But it's there, and I don't think the referees are ready to use it yet. I've said that time and time again. But hey-ho, they say that these things even themselves out over the season. Maybe we're getting the ones that have been owed since way back in August. Well, I've been asked a couple of times about the decision, which has uh, been at the centre of the um, ongoing issues with Kevin Clancy and his family being threatened, Patrick. And the way I look at it, and I've already said this, I think the moment where there's an advantage for any of the two players, Johnson and Morelos, is the moment when Morelos gives them a two-handed push in the back. And if you were to flip that and say, well, Johnson's behind Morelos, right? Ask any Rangers fan, ask anybody in the media who's standing up for um, Rangers' kind of stance on this and ask them the question, right, if Morelos is in front and Johnson's behind and Johnson puts his two hands on Morelos and Morelos ends up on the deck, are you screaming for a penalty? Because I'm pretty sure 100% of them will be screaming for a penalty. They'll probably deny it, Patrick, but they'll they'll be screaming for a penalty because it was an infringement. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, it happens. You know, there's two or three times a game where you take a corner, someone ends up in the deck and you think, well, that was soft, but it's a free kick coming towards you and you think, oh, well, waste of a corner. And you think these things are soft, but then when it goes the other way, you can't really complain, you know. If you're in the box and you're defending and you get a free kick, you're delighted. But uh, it's it's. I see they've totally dropped the the handball from Jota as well. I mean that was the that was the second sort of excuse, if you want, uh, immediately after the game. And then as soon as you watch the replay, you realise it's not on Eva's hand; it hits his his, his thigh almost. And um, 
yeah, I think, you know, it's a soft decision, but you see these decisions going going for you a hundred times a season when, you, when you're defending corners and I, I don't think there's much in it and I don't I certainly don't think there's enough to merit death threats. I mean, nothing merits death threats no. and all that and the, the abuse that he's facing. But um I'd I'd agree with Colin, I thought he had a pretty poor game, you know, both ways. I mean, the amount of times that uh, Tillman went down, he must mm. have went down about fifteen times and he won every single foul and some of them were absolutely nothing. Um so yeah, it's I agree with Colin. I don't think he's one of the top referees in the country, but then I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to actually pick a top referee. Um, but, you know, the, the behaviour from those who have threatened him are absolutely disgraceful. It, it's quite funny about Paddy Stitching on there about the, the handball, or as we've now seen it, the boss ball, because that's literally where he brings the ball down. Um, some of them still refuse to admit that that's not a handball. So... I mean, but then that's I just delusional. What that says about them, or what it says about Jota, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's delusional, Colin. Right, and the thing that I'm looking at at the moment is obviously, as, as Patrick quite rightly says, it's abhorrent the, the kind of behaviour that we've uh, heard of in relation to the, the family home of Kevin Clancy being contacted and, and him being targeted, his family being targeted. Absolutely shocking behaviour. And there's a difference, Colin, between sitting here and talking about a poor refereeing display or a poor refereeing decision and fanning the flames and building a group of fans into a frenzy that results in that kind of behaviour. And what actually might happen is um, they might bully referees out of the game. Now, they might think that's a good idea, right? If that was to happen and we were to end up using a pool of neutral refs from elsewhere, that's not going to benefit Rangers at all, is it? It's not going to benefit anybody. And do you know the thing is... I been... think it would. I think neutral refs would benefit everybody else, to I be honest know. with you. I don't know. I, I think if you're a terrible ref, you're a terrible ref. And I've said that before. Yeah, um, but if we, if, we, if we did as we've done before, Colin, and we, we grouped referees from elsewhere, then, you know, what, the first thing you're looking at is there's no issue with neutrality. And then secondly... Are they good? Are they not good? Because not every single country has to put up with the, the poor level of refereeing as we have to put up with in Scotland. I don't know about the, the level of neutrality. I'm sure there'll be some weirdo fans out there that would find out that his granny was an immigrant from Ireland or that she has stuck her hand up once before. Or I don't know, right? But going back to this, right? So we look at this and us as fan media are reporting on it. We're reporting on the issues that some of the mainstream media totally miss. And we have been called out times before for allegedly stirring up the fan base to have views on referees, on players. There was times where we were actually blamed for Peter Lowell's house getting firebombed. That's right. And we had absolutely nothing at all to do with that. Didn't even mention it. We had to go on. I remember the show. It was myself, you and Amy. And there was people actually trying to say it was Axom's fault. Now, I've seen clips of the other side's fan media who are actively encouraging to make Clancy's life a living hell. Mm-hmm. You can't get away with that. It is no. stupidity. And do you know what? It panders to the lowest of low on their side. And I, I'm not saying it's just their side because I think there is terrible supporters for every team. Every single set, of, uh, every single team has a set of fans that you go. Do you know what? You're an embarrassment that you're associated with my football club. But to pander to them, to put that information out there, to make it public, to actively encourage 
them to try and get a hold of Kevin Clancy, a man who was just simply doing his job. Mm. Shambles. It is a shambles, Colin. And thanks for bringing that up, the, the fact that uh, I and others were blamed for the, the the petrol bombing and all that kind of stuff. Unbelievable uh, reaction to that. And I think, you know, that I've actually seen comments in relation to that incident this week. And it's going back to that what about it, Colin. That had nothing to do with Celtic fans either, by the way. That no. was a criminal investigation that had something completely... The, the, the whole reason behind that was completely beyond a, a game of football. Um, so... I'm looking at it, Patrick, and I'm saying, you know what, the result of this could be that people are bullied out of the game. Um, and, you know, what you're looking for at this stage is for a strong authority within Scottish football to come out and deal with the situation and and, and not pander uh, to one club or one club's fan base. Is it going to happen? Do we have that strong authority? I think I know the answer to it. I don't think we do. If I'm being totally honest, no, I don't think we do at all. Um, no, I think I think it was uh, me, yourself, John, and Paddy on a few weeks ago talking about the incidents at Ibrox um, that go back years and years. You know, fans invading the pitch, glass bottles been thrown and smashed, and you know, people being hit in the head and stuff. And you know, I'm only mentioning two games here from the past six years that these incidents have happened and. You're sort of bewildered by how these clubs and how these fans aren't being punished. You know, they punish the individual, they ban the individual for life, and they probably get a jail sentence as well. But it's a recurring issue for one set of supporters, and you've not seen anything from the SFA. You've seen from UEFA, they shut sections of the stadium, they give them fines, but you don't see anything from our domestic um, sort of body, um, if you want to call it that. And, you know, you could see a scenario where individuals are bullied out, bullied out of the game. Um, you know, if, I mean, harassing people's family, death threats, saying that they should be, their lives should be made a misery and all this. And you think, well, it will be an extra income for Kevin Clancy. I'm sure it's something that he enjoys doing, refereeing. I'm sure he gets a lot of pleasure out of it. It's obviously something he's passionate about. But, I mean, if him and his family are put in harm's way, I mean, he, he could quite easily just chuck it. You know, you've seen Bobby Madden move down south. Now, I'm not saying that's because he was receiving threats or anything. I don't know why Bobby Madden made the move, but he moved down south. And I think you're right. I think our game would benefit from uh, uh, neutral refs, refs from other countries. Um, you know, we've seen with the strike uh, 10, 11 years ago that, you know, those refs were thought of a lot higher than Scottish refs. Um and I, I, I honestly don't think you'd see Rangers get 15 penalties every single season if that were to happen. But, <laughs> I um, agree. you know, we'll find out. And hopefully it doesn't come to that, but you, you genuinely never know. See, exactly. I mean, you're talking about people getting bullied out. He already has. He's not refereeing this weekend as far as I'm aware. Precisely. He's, he's had to step back. So we're now in a situation, Colin, where you've got a referee who's not refereeing you've got a Celtic fan base who are not safe enough to go to the next fixture at Ibrox. You've got an investigation into an assault on one of our coaches, Fan Alonso. So these three things alone, and just a few weeks ago, you've got a fan jailed for bottling or physio. So these things are ongoing currently. What's getting done about it? What should get done about it? Two completely different things. And incidentally, for the game against Kilmarnock, which I'm sure we'll be talking about as well, the referee has been confirmed as David Dickinson, who will be assisted by Craig Ferguson, John McCrossan, fourth official Duncan Williams, with Alan Muir and Gary Hilland on VAR. 
so there you go. We'll have a wee chat about the Kilmarnock game as well. Let's get some of the comments in. If you want to comment, subscribe to the channel. We've got 600 live here on a Wednesday afternoon. I'll tell you all about this signed jersey behind me in a moment. The number three, maybe that's hinting at a treble. I don't know. That's not been put there intentionally. Um, we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. But we'll have a wee chat about that jersey as well. Clavs, 1978. Good year, that. Think Kyogo will hit 35 goals easily, and to be reading, uh, to be reading, Palace are interested in him at 15 million is complete nonsense. Worth at least double that, right? That is part of the tagline. We do have to talk about the football as well as everything else that happens in this circus, which is Scottish football. Let's have a wee chat about Kyogo. I'll come to you first, Colin. He's on 28 goals. He was again the talisman, getting a couple of goals against Rangers at the weekend. We saw him getting a couple of goals against them in the League Cup final. And, of course, two goals last season in the, the League Cup final. Tremendous signing. Um, only four times in the previous decades, in the previous 10 seasons, has a Celtic player scored 30 or more goals. Only four times. Now, let's have a wee look at this here, Colin. Uh, I've got my notes in front of me. I've got the benefit of that. You don't. Who are the four players who have scored 30 or more goals in the last decade for Celtic? Lee Griffiths. Yes. Gary Hooper. Yes. Scott Sinclair? No. Oh. Just doing so well. I know you like a quiz. <laughs> Try to think who the others may be. Musa Dembele? Yes, you've got one more. And that's before his time. I was going to say Scott McDonald, but before his time. He was a wee bit earlier, eh? He was a bit earlier. Got to go with uh, Odson Edward then. Eddie, right, he did score 29 goals on one occasion. He never hit the 30. He never hit the 30, Colin. Patrick McGilp, can you think of the fourth player that scored 30 or more goals in the last decade for Celtic? I'll go for season? Chris Coleman. There it is. It was Chris Commons. And like clockwork, we hear the police sirens kicking about Collins' <laughs> estate. Right, so it was Chris Commons, yeah. And only one player, of course, has scored 40 or more, and that was Lee Griffiths yeah. in that fantastic yeah. season in twenty. 15-16. Now, all the others, not one of them got 35 or more. Kyogo has got a potential of nine games to come. You know he's got seven league games. He's got at least one game in the cup, possibly two. Can he hit 35, Colin? Yeah, definitely. You're quite confident in that? Yeah, I mean, as long as he get, keeps getting given the service, then yeah. I mean, you see what happens when he's feeding off Kind of some really loose opportunities at the weekend. Um, he does very, very well for the first goal. Matt O'Reilly does absolutely fantastic for that. Yeah, I, have to um, I didn't actually realise how good it was until I saw the, the game back. And then the second one, he's just alive and alert in the area to, to put it away. He had one that was offside, where he's again alive and alert and he's putting it away. I think over the next kind of four, six weeks, uh, whatever we've got left of the season, seven goals. It's definitely possible. It's on. It definitely is on, isn't it? I mean, Patrick, when you look at that that list of names, Gary Hooper, 
Chris Commons, Lee Griffiths, Musa Dembele. You know, obviously, things went pretty uh, wayward for, for Griffiths and Commons often is judged by his punditry rather than the great football that we did see by him. Um, but, you know, he's joining an, an, an illustrious list. I think in terms of strikers, the only one that would live with him from that list of four would probably be Dembele. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. You know, I mean, Cooper's uh, scoring rate at Celtic was absolutely incredible, but, you know, his, his, his career, the last 10 years that he's been away from Celtic has been pretty poor. And obviously he was chasing the England cap and I think he had like one or two OK seasons at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but I think I think he would mark it down as a mistake leaving Celtic. Um, all brilliant players for Celtic, especially in those seasons where they scored, um, was it 30 or 35 goals? Um, Dembele, probably the top player out of those four. And I think I think Kyogo's right up there. You know, it's you know, you see these debates on Twitter, you know, the best since Larson, who's the best striker since Larson. And I think I think it's probably between Kyogo, Edward and Dembele, in my opinion. And I think they're all very close. Um, you know, Kyogo's pace, his movement, how clinical he is, I think his main attributes. But um I think he can definitely hit the thirty five. Um I'm not sure exactly what he's on. Is it twenty eight or twenty nine he's on just now? I've got it at 28. Yeah, I've got 28, Pat. 28. Uh, I think he could definitely hit 35. I mean, in theory, he could score a hat-trick at the weekend and we're talking about 40, you know, and in theory, he could get injured at the weekend because we're playing a plastic pitch. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen, but you just don't know how things are going to go. You know, Touched as much wood as possible there. See the thing with Gary Hooper? Can you imagine prime Gary Hooper in an Ange Postacoglu team? The amount of chances that's created that go across that box. Mm-hmm. He would hit 40 every season under Ange Postacoglu. I think that he would also, he'd be a different um, type of player in terms of his, his physique, Colin, would have to improve. Yeah. Um, and I think under Ange it probably would as well. Yeah, 100%. Gary Hooper was probably one of the most natural strikers I've ever seen at Celtic. Mm-hmm. I think he was just, he was so talented. And that, um, that game where he had the goal, where he had to set, what was it, he needed four or more goals to top the goal-scoring charts against Hearts in the last day of the season. What's he do? He scores five. That's, <laughs> the, that's the kind of player you had there. And Patrick's right. He, he left, obviously, with his England aspirations and it didn't work for him. And it's a shame, but um, if you look at some of the goals that he put away in his time at Celtic, it was, it was frightening to watch. I was a massive fan. Uh, by the way, special mention for Edward because although he didn't hit 30, his uh, three seasons were 28, 29, 22. So he did all right. You know, he did all right for Celtic. And of course, one of them was in the uh, that season that we don't like talking about, the one that I think Colin calls the behind closed doors campaign. Yeah. Um, today, though, talking about strikers, another striker in O turns 22 today. Uh, is he older than you, Patrick? Just... No, he's he's younger. He's he's. I've I've only just learned that from you saying it. He's four months younger than me. That's that's scary. <laughs> and um, I always like to look, especially with the kind of younger players calling. I like to look to see who was number one the day that uh, that player was born. Do you know who was number one the day you were born? By the way, Colin. Me, yeah. Uh, yeah. Take that, take that, and Lulu light my fire. <laughs> okay, super. What about you, Patrick? Do you know who was number one? No, no. You don't need to check that for next week. Well, 
it was a really bad week uh, in terms of proper music, the week that O was born. Um, Emma Bunton was number one. We've got people like Shaggy, Janet Jackson, Hearsay, Seriously, Do You Want Me To Go On, Atomic Kitten, Westlife and Robbie Williams. The kind of top ten that Laura Bradburn would be all over. Uh, but number four was Gabrielle with Out Of Reach. Colin, and it's it's pretty appropriate right now, eh? Because Celtic are obviously out of reach of their nearest challengers. Uh, but I want to talk about O's performance when he came on against Rangers. He looks like a real handful. He does have, I think, elements to his game that are similar to Yakamakis, but he's obviously a much younger player, and he, he seems really hungry to impress. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's been that. Uh, word that he's, he's he's obviously completed his national service to con- concentrate on his footballing career, and that's that's big of a young guy to kind of give up that time, especially in his development, to go and do it. Uh, although I have to bring this up, I'm sorry, uh, Patrick. Number one on your birthday was "Can We Fix It" by Bob the Builder the day you were born. <laughs> Is that, by the way, I bet that's right. Eh? Declan's checked this, isn't he? Oh, Declan, will definitely have checked. Aye, that. he would have done. Dear uh, me, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> take that and Bob the Builder, dearie me. Who's the guy who plays Bob the Builder? Is it uh, something Morrissey? Isn't it? Neil Morrissey. Men behaving yeah. badly. Yeah. There you go. Number one, Neil Morrissey. At least it was a good Morrissey you got. Um, <laughs> it could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> no, but oh, uh, he, he is. He's hungry. He's, he's showing his willingness. It was interesting for Ange for the changes that was made. Um, obviously keeping Kyogo and O on. I wonder mm-hmm. if that's something we might see him experiment with now that the league's pretty much wrapped up uh, to see if he can fit both of them into his system. Well, as I've said this since the game, Patrick. I wonder what you think. It's maybe an obvious one, but obvi- you know, we were looking at half-time at the performance in Moy. This is going on his shape and, and O um, and the performance in Moy and saying, you know, we're going to have to hook on probably won't have happen at half-time. It didn't. But you noticed a, a, a marked change when Awata came on and we went off. We scored a goal almost immediately. We'd go 3-1 ahead. And it's at that point that Ange feels confident enough to change the shape, like Colin's saying. And he keeps Kyogo on. He brings O on at the same time. And we change the shape. But it's at that point Rangers get back into the game. And Now, I don't think that's going to put Ange off by trying it again, incidentally. I don't think it will. It was just, you know, at that moment in time, I think uh, Rangers started winning the, the midfield battle. Uh, they get that goal back, they pull it back, and the whole complexion of the game changes. But then Ange changes back, makes another couple of changes, and we're back in control then. Um, but it's something that, that Jared's mentioned time and time again, a different shape that Ange has used in the past with some success. Someone pointed out it was similar to the, um, the John Barnes formation, uh, but the least said about that, the better. I'm pretty sure Ange can do it better than John Barnes did. I um you know, I was I was I was too taken in by the stress and the sort of the emotion of the moment. I thought, you know, he's made this change that we've conceded a goal and then he kept on running free kicks around the edge of our box. Um that's certainly how I remember it. And I, I thought I thought we struggled to to keep control of the game and I think it's a big part of the way we play keeping control of the game. Um you know what that's always been our struggle in Europe and the time I've been supporting Celtic, I feel as if we're were either too open or we've not got enough control and I think with the, the four three three that we play, I think we we do really, really well in Scotland and we've got a decent foothold in Europe as well. I think it was Shakhtar at home. I think he played Kyogo and Yakamakis eh, up top and I didn't think we controlled that game too well either. And you know, I thought we absolutely battered. We we battered Shakhtar in both games, but 
the, the, the performance at home I didn't think were at our best in the last 20 minutes. Maybe it was just me being nervy, but I thought it was I thought we lacked lacked control as well. So you know, maybe it's just a, a poor sample size, maybe it's just, you know, a you know, wrong place, wrong time, but I I'm not a fan of it personally. Maybe it's just something that needs work and we might see it, you know, uh, next season. As you say, you know, I think we need ten points to officially win the league. We've got seven games to do that. So it's definitely something that I just get time to experiment with. Yeah, and another interesting thing, you remember the season where Martin O'Neill's team went on a tremendous run and uh, we took the foot off the gas once the, the league was wrapped up and, he, and he, you know, he played weak insides and all the rest of it. We actually ended up getting beat twice before the end of the season. You'll remember it. O'Neill regrets that. He wrote about it in his book and he spoke about it the night that uh, we interviewed him a few weeks back. He regrets it. And I think Ange's probably that type of guy as well. He'll probably be looking at this saying, when do we wrap the league up? You know, I want to win seven games. That's going to be his kind of mentality, Colin. Yeah. And it's, it is good in a sense, but in another sense, you want to see guys like Summers, Vata, Lol, all getting a chance to get some game time, whether that be on the last day of the season at home, uh, when we lift the trophy, or whether that be um, one of the games sort of just after the split. You want to keep that progression coming forward, because we spoke about it before, about how there isn't a, a path into the first team for these young players. And yet it's great seeing the likes of Vata on the bench at the weekend. Summers has been on the bench recently. Um, Lowell's came on, I think, was it 15 minutes he got when he came on, or five minutes? like to see a wee bit more of that, um, because we do have to keep these young players in and around the squad. We might have to turn to them at some point. And also, as we were talking about just before we came on air, there is a part of that that says we've got a UEFA squad to submit for next season. And you don't want to just be throwing these guys in just because they're there. You want to see them get a wee bit of game time beforehand so you know that they can live up to that. Adam Montgomery came in um, before he went out on loan and... You could tell he'd never really played senior football beforehand. Whereas if these guys are getting the time and getting in amongst the squad, hopefully they'll integrate a lot better. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, Colin. We, we always talk about uh, the, the pathway into the first team. And if you've won the league and you've got, let's say, a few games to spare, yeah, get the boys game time. Not wholesale. I remember we did it against Dundee United, your very first game, in actual yep. fact, Colin, was there... I don't know, eight young players in the in the squad that day. I think the average age was something like 20. That was frightening, and obviously Henrik Larson had a moustache. Um, a couple of comments coming in. Jungle Lion, maybe that's the reason that lot don't get any penalties against them. Look at the abuse Clancy gets and has got since Saturday. Uh, since Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about ruling by fear. Big shout out to Paddy Lavery. Welcome back to the show, Paddy. Great to hear from you, as yeah. always. Um, and also, we've got Andrew Galea. Uh, good evening from Melbourne. Uh, good evening to you as well. It's great to see some of these names regularly joining the chat. Joe Hamilton, Wednesday, and the absolute meltdown continues. Afternoon trips, it does continue. Uh, we've also got here Polly Wally Doodle. Uh, timing my, my lunch breaks for half 12 nowadays just for this. Good thing I'm not in emergency services. Sorry, Hen. Axom's on. Love that. That's tremendous. Um, and Andrew also comes in to talk about Moy. We will be having a look at that. Does Moy drop out for a water? What do you do with him uh, for the Kelly game? Uh, I'll ask you first, Colin. I mean, you know, Moy didn't have his best game. I'm not writing him off. We know what he can do. He's yep. He's been brilliant since the World Cup. He was clearly not sharp enough. He was maybe fit enough, but he just didn't have that much sharpness. 
But is it a good opportunity to start a water? I think a water done so so well when he came on. Yeah, and again, it's, we spoke about this last week. It's about getting the, the players integrated from January ahead of the new season. Uh, we always spoke about how um, January used to be a time where it was firefighting, it was filling in the gaps in the squad that we could see. Now, Andrew's a transfer window ahead and he's bringing in guys with the thought of next season. That's why, even though we haven't seen like, a lot of Kobayashi or Iwata, and mm. just comfortable. He knows that these guys will hit the ground running after a pre-season and they'll play a big part next year. He's very, very comfortable with that. Um, so if Iwata doesn't play on Sunday, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Um, I think Moy, you could see he definitely wasn't fully fit for the game against Rangers. Um, he was a good yard off his normal pace. Took a bit of time to get up to, to speed with it. Um, it's it's a very difficult one as to who you would pick as your midfield three for Sunday. Uh, McGregor obviously keeps his jersey. Then you're looking at it, you see O'Reilly goes in because he had a great sort of first 45 to 60 minutes. And then who's your sort of third player? And that's that choice is obviously a good headache for Ange to have, knowing that he's got options there. It's not just a case of putting people in because they're the only option where it used to be maybe even 12 months ago. So I trust Andrew and whoever he, he, he picks on Sunday. Considering it's a plastic pitch, if he's only just coming back from injury, I'd probably put a Wata in over Moy. So is there anything else? I mean, that's a big discussion point. It was actually a big discussion point going into the Rangers game. Is there anywhere else on that park that you would be considering making any changes or you stick as is? Because it sounds as though the uh, the injury issues that we had previous, Hatati, Abada, Ralston, Forrest, None of those players are going to make the Kilmarnock game if you if you listen to what Anne said. Yeah, and that that's just sensible. That pitch is generally one of the worst pitches I've ever seen. Why that's allowed in the top flight is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I would rest Greg Taylor. I think Greg Taylor's sort of been carrying a knock for a while. Obviously, um, Stevie Clark alluded to it as the reason why he wasn't involved in the Scotland setup. I think Burnaby, um, even though he's still trying to pass that ball to the Invisible Man. Um, he definitely has looked sharp in his two appearances since he came on, so I would put him in. Um, anybody that's sort of carrying a wee niggle or a knock, I wouldn't risk it on that pitch at all. Um, and someone I'd like to see get a, a bit more game time just through merit is Sead Haksabanovic. Um I don't think Maeda has overly impressed in the last couple of weeks. You can see definitely why he's in the team, because of his work rate and his effort. But I think this is a game that Haksabanovic would really enjoy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. That's the thing. When we go into the um, you know, the transfers and all the speculation that's going to be surrounding that once we get into the transfer window, uh, we do have the four players in Haksabanovic, O, Kobayashi um, and Awata, who I'm not going to say they're going to be like new uh, signings, but like Colin said, Patrick, they will hit the ground running. They've been in the squad for long enough. We're getting them in early enough. Um, they might be someday that we've not seen a great deal of, but uh, they're already integrated in the squad, so we're getting our business done early. Albeit, we will still bring in three or four, I'm pretty sure, in the summer as well. Um, what's your take on Moy? 
does he drop out against Kilmarnock? Yeah, I would, I would uh, drop him as well. Um, you know, as Colin says, he, I don't think you can take any risks on that pitch at all. Just anyone who you've got any concern over, uh, just just rest him. And you know, Awata came on and he done really, really well for thirty minutes. Um, you know, I can't. I mean, he's only really sort of made cameo appearances, a few substitutions and stuff like that. I can't remember seeing him play that well. I thought it was brilliant when he came on. Uh, so I, I definitely stick with Awata, and I, I agree with what Colin said about Maeda as well. I don't think he's set the world alight uh, recently. I know I've only played two games since the the last international break, but I don't I don't think he's really sort of done much. Um, so and Haktabanovic, I feel as if he's always one of these players that you want to see more of. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always sort of in and around the team, but he's never really been given a string of games to start. And I think it's just because him and Jota are naturally, you know, left wingers and. Jota just has to start every game. Uh, so I'd like to see them on either wings, but uh, those are the only two changes I'd make. But then, as Colin says, actually, Taylor as well. If he's still carrying a knock of any kind, just, just drop him. Yeah, yeah rest him. You've only got two I weeks. Rest until, him, I rest You've only got two weeks until the semi-final. Yeah. So you, you, this is not a time to pick up any injuries. No. Not when the league is pretty much wrapped up. You, you've got to sort of look and be consider it and look at the squad and use the squad to your advantage. Uh, Kilmarnock, yeah, they've, they can be a tricky side, but they've had a really poor season this year and their form's not great. So it might be a chance for the likes of O to maybe get a start or Koba, um, mm. Kobayashi to come in at centre-half. But it's for me, it's, I think they're going to see the squad getting used over these next two games because the biggest game of our season is going to be that semi-final. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, resting Taylor, I think it's important to get Bernabe games. I really do. He's not he's not played a great deal of football this season, is he? And I think uh, you know, lo and behold, we go into a big game. If there is a wee tweak of uh, Taylor's injury, you need to be confident that Bernabe, not only offensively, by the way, question mark after that invisible man miss that Colin brought up, but defensively, he needs to get games. He needs to get properly integrated into the side. So I I would be I'd be all over that. I could see that change happening. Couple of wee. Discussion points, then I'll pass everyone over to Colin because he's got a few graphics for us. Very impressive. Anthony, yes, uh, morning all. Let's face it, anything before 2pm is morning for me, I wish. Uh, hope all are well. As per Axom is my afternight shift joy. So basically, PJD and co, read me to bed. Oh, yes, we read you a bedtime story. Could sing you a song, uh, but you're probably no thank me for that. And David, um, David Beats, I just hope we click in the semi-final because if we do it, it will be an annihilation and the key will be McGregor and Atati and Awata in the midfield. Listen, David, this is the thing. We, we talk about the games that were played since, you know, Michael Beale's coming as Rangers manager. Um, three games, we've not won, uh, sorry, we've not been beaten in any of the three games, but we've definitely not been at our best. And when we do and when it does click, as David said there, I can see us really uh, going to town. I know it's a, I know it's a cup game call and it could be anybody you're playing and I wouldn't be going, I mean, if it was Falkirk or Inverness, I wouldn't be going in cocky about it. So I'm certainly not going to go in cocky against Rangers. But no. if we click against them in the semi, you're going to look at a completely different outcome. Yeah, I mean, Sunday, Saturday's game there for me, it was just about which team made the least amount of mistakes. I thought we didn't play well. We had our lowest passing percentage of the season. We had our lowest uh, shots. We had our lowest amount of passes. We were really sloppy in possession. We couldn't really create a hell of a lot. And it's not the Celtic that we've come to expect over the last sort of 
12 to 18 months under Ange Postacoglis. We've set such a high standard now that maybe previously you either went in and looked at that performance and went, do you know what? That's a good result. It's against our biggest rivals. It's put us on our three points clear. Really, really impressed with that. Whereas we're kind of coming away going, yeah, we get the three points, but we can play a hell of a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we absolutely can. Um, Stevie Kenny, Wednesday and the meltdown gets sweeter by the day. It definitely does. Uh, we've also got Andrew asking where Kevin Graham is. This is the final week that he's going to be off. He'll be back next Wednesday and we'll be doing some Scream Celica episodes as well. And a big shout out to Mark, who is doing one of the most impressive kind of challenges that I've seen. He's got his uh, hands on a copy of the Celtic jersey and he's going around getting it signed by uh, players whose jerseys are in the book or who wore that specific jersey uh, up and down the country, uh, meeting ex-Celts. He's got guys like Roy Keane in there already, uh, Scott Brown. Phenomenal. Um, and he's posting them on Twitter as well. Now, Colin, what, what's your take on the Champions League? Are you the, one of these guys that once Celtic are out, you lose interest and you, you drop out yourself or do you follow the Champions League endeavours post-Celtic? <sighs> Depends. If there's a exciting fixture, I'll watch it. Um, but no, I, I mean, I actually forgot there was games on last night. I went to Capolo to watch Morton, um, forgetting that Man City were playing Bayern. Uh, yeah, again, Celtic's not involved. It's hard to get really behind a, a team, uh, unless it's Liverpool, of course. Okay. What about yourself, Patrick? Are you uh, one of these guys that would watch the Romanian third division if it was live on the telly? So you're interested in Champions League football, or are you a wee bit like myself and you lose a bit of interest the minute Celtic are out of the competition? I, mean, I, I do hard. I do find it hard to get myself up for these games. I actually meant to watch Man City Bayern because it's you know Clash of the Titans, uh, arguably the two best teams in the world at the minute. Um, and just like Colin, I totally forgot it was on. Um, Probably watch, you know, Napoli tonight or, you know, Real Madrid Chelsea, but it's only really the latter stages of these competitions I end up watching. Like, I'll, I'll watch the Europa League final, but I'll not sit through Europa League quarterfinals because um, I just think to myself, Celtic could be here and we're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Celtic play a lot of games anyway. You know, I, we take in, what is it, 50, 55 Celtic games a season. So it's not like I'm. I'm um, but, uh, Aye, it's, I can take it or leave it. It's not... Aye. I, I don't know. I'm a bit ambivalent, as, as I'm sure you can all tell. Um, yeah. Aye. I'm a bit like that myself. I'm a bit like that myself. The reason I ask, of course, is that uh, Real Madrid, who were in Celtic's group, are playing tonight. They're playing Chelsea. Um, and I was having a look back at the two games we played against Real Madrid. And, you know, there's there's some regrets in that first game at Celtic Park. Of course, there are. We've gone over them. Um, if you were to look at the aggregate scores, Colin, it's 8-1 to Real Madrid against us this season. I'm going to make a prediction here. I'm going to say Real Madrid will beat Chelsea by a higher aggregate score in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. I, I, take be, on that. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the biggest shock of the season for me so far is that Frank Lampard get the Chelsea job again mm. I mean where did that come from the only person that I think was, he, an, was it announced was he offered it in the showers though I probably was um, but the only person I'd ever thought would have wanted Frank Lampard back at Chelsea is Mason Mount because he seemed to kind of disappear out after his dad left um, it's it's weird uh, Real Madrid are a very very good side um, I saw what they did to Liverpool that was Absolutely frightening. That was a Liverpool side. Yeah, okay, they're not playing great football, but we still stuck a couple past them, and then Real Madrid could have scored as many as they wanted. Mm. 
so more than eight one? More than eight one? I'm going to say no. I think it's a bit tighter when they get to the later stages. But if they put like nine or ten past Chelsea, yeah, I'll not be unhappy. Yeah. What's your take on that then, Patrick? Because I know the 3 nothing game was a, a huge source of regret for me watching the performance that we had, the chances that we had that night. Um, and yeah, for 65 minutes, we did, you know, we scared them. We did. We put them on the back foot and then they went up a gear. We know that after they scored the goal. Over there was a wee bit more disappointing. It was good to see Jota getting the Champions League goal, of course. However, 8-1 seems pretty drastic over two legs and I know it wasn't a two-legged affair. Um, do you think they'll put Chelsea to the sword more? Because I'm pretty confident they will. I think they're going to get battered tonight, for example. I really do. I think they definitely could. I think they definitely could. You know, it's just Real Madrid are, you know, the Champions League team. They've won it 14 times, twice as many as what anyone else has. And the, the last eight, nine seasons, they... They just look unstoppable, even if they're not playing well. I mean, I think they're like 10 points behind Barcelona and La Liga. And they just look unbelievable uh, every time they set foot in a Champions League pitch. Um, 8-1, I don't know about that because, you know, it's 180 minutes. It's a knockout competition. Anything could happen. I mean, they could absolutely batter Chelsea and only win one nothing. You know, we we went toe-to-toe with them for 60 minutes and then end up losing 3 nothing. Football's random in that way. Um you know, I, I don't think they were three nothing or five one games, but aye, it's it could be eight one, it could be three nothing. I don't know, but I, I certainly fancy Real Madrid to go through quite convincingly in both those yeah. ties. Um, I think you know the Lampard thing's interesting. I think that's a stopgap. Um, I mean, my dad talked about this at the weekend. We think you know Simeone's meant to be leaving Atletico, and I think it's a stopgap for waiting on Simeone, but. Um, no, that's a that's a disastrous appointment, and you're right. It could be it could be eight or nine nothing, you know, if they really wanted it to be. I'm going to say eight now over the two games. Uh, John Bosas on Kelly's pitch. My midfield would be Awata, Callum McGregor, and Turnbull. Uh, I thought Turnbull done all right when he came on. Actually, uh, I want to mention Alan Thompson because that's the reason we've got this jersey behind us. Tomo is coming to Gracie's. He's going to join me on the stage um, in about three weeks' time, and if you buy a ticket for the gig you are entered into a prize draw to win this fully signed 16 signatures Ireland jersey. And on that jersey are the signatures of Roy Keane um, and also Martin O'Neill. So Alan Thompson, you know, he was part of the Seville team uh, 20 years ago. Uh, Some cracking goals. He liked and favoured a a goal against Rangers, of course. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to joining him on stage. Here's a wee word from Tomo. It just showed you what a good team we were, how far we got and ran ran that Porto team close. Uh, they went on and won the Champions League the following season under Mourinho. Um, so it just shows you how good they were. And I think with one or two additions to that team, we had we could have gone a step further, who knows, without a doubt. Yeah, that was an interview with Thompson earlier on. It was last year. It's on the channel. Check it out. And if you want to come along, uh, I think there's a couple of uh, VIP tickets available, actually, as well as a few other standard tickets. The ticket link is underneath the video. Thanks. 700 strong. In fact, 800 strong who are tuning in at the moment. Colin, you've been doing a wee bit of work on the the loans uh, and the potential of who might come back. You want to talk us through that? Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, bring it up. Hold on. Bring up your big graphics of um, all the loanees. Are you going to look at them all, or are you just going to look at the uh, the main half a dozen or so? So we're only going to look at half a dozen or so, and it's the discussion point here is what do we do with these guys when they come back? Some of them have 
the option to move on. They've got the the option to buy with them. But do we have to bring some of these guys back in? Do we need them as part of our European squad that we just spoke about? And the first one here is Albion Ayeti. And you can see, basically, it's not really working for him. He's out on loan. His contract's up next summer. That's an expensive mistake, to be perfectly honest, Paul. And you can see he's only got four goals for the season. He's barely kicked a ball, just over a 1,000 minutes in 21 games. It's not a lot of football. And it's, 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 that amount of money being wasted is just frightening. It is frightening. And and by the way, still a young man. That's the big thing about Albion Ayeti when I, when I check um, often to see what age he is. He's still got time on his side, but after two big moves have gone wrong, he's uh, 26. You would think that in terms of his own career, uh, his next move is going to be a big one for him. Every time I see a picture of him, Patrick, I just think uh, Ivan Tony. You can't help but think. Um, I know it's it's just having Barkas. I know they sort of go together because both the same window, both four and a half million. But I mean, looking at the stats there, that's something like. I mean, what is that? Is that like three goal, three games per goal? And you, uh, the same amount of yellow cards as, he, as he's got goals. It's just, uh, he's he's not someone that's going to get a game for Celtic. I mean, Oz came in and. He's barely played a lot of football, but already you can see he's twice the player that Ayeti is. As you say, 26, he'll, be, he'll certainly be wanting to be playing for a different club than Celtic next season. So, you know, we're not, we just need to hold our hands up, say we're not getting that four and a half million back. That's that's gone three years ago. And you just need to move the guy on because I don't doubt that he'll be on a decent wage coming from West Ham. You know, the team that he's at now might be covering some of that, but... I'm sure he's probably on 15 to 20 grand a week and we'll be playing the bulk of that. So mm. I just want to move on, really. And just totally. to break it down, sorry for our audio listeners, um, he's out on loan, he's played 21 times um, of a total of 140, sorry, 1,045 minutes. His average is 261 minutes per goal. He's played in the Europa League five times this season. Um, I think he's carried a bit of a knock. That's why he's only played 13 times in the Austrian Bundesliga. But as you can see, he's coming on as a sub six times. 12 of those appearances he's came off. It's not exactly somebody where if you were going out and you were saying this summer, we need to bring someone in. You wouldn't look to bring someone like Albion Ayeti into the club. Not in that form, Paul. No, you definitely wouldn't. And, you know... He's the guy that scored the first goal ever under Ange Postecoglou. It was in a friendly, of course. He scored the first goal. He was made the captain um, as well. And he went on to score a European goal that, that season and Ange's first season in the last campaign there. But as Patrick quite rightly says, that's a goal every three games. That's just not a good enough return. Um, he's not playing enough games. And I've seen a report fairly recently that Ayeti and Barca's combined wages were 30 grand, uh, Patrick. So you're not 100 miles off off of that as well. 30 grand a week, these two guys are costing Celtic. But then it's a case calling out, you know, you're cutting your losses anyway, but how much would you get for a guy like this? A million I think, quid? Max? I think it would be a, a mutual thing. I think Celtic would just pay off his contract. So it's effectively a free transfer. He just yeah. leaves for now. I mean, I mean that's, that's huge. There was talk of him going down south. Was it Middlesbrough that were interested in him? Um, in the summer and... They couldn't negotiate a deal, so nah. Uh, I mean, where, where does his career go from here? I don't think it's Stim Gratz, I believe he's on loan. I, I don't think they're even interested in the option to buy clause. So, 
the thing is, Colin, if you can get rid of Bolling Goalie and, and that type of player, if you can find a permanent move for a, a player like him after everything that happens, not just the performances, but all the baggage that came with it, we can find a club for, for a Yeti. So, yeah, I think we're all in agreement. A Yeti must go. Yeah. And uh, next up, we have the other big expensive signing, Barkas. Um, so, obviously, his contract also up at the end of next summer. He has played 31 games. He's got nine clean sheets for a total of 2,820 minutes. In 31 games, he's conceded 48 goals. <laughs> he's not somebody that you would say would come in and take the gloves off Joe Hart. You obviously saw what happened when he was here last season. He could probably do better at catching a cold than he could catching a shot. I don't know, Paddy. I, I mean, looking at this... It's again another expensive mistake we're going to have to pay the price for. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you say, he's not he's not displacing Joe Hart from number one. I'm, I know I, I don't know whether that's like a good rate for clean sheets. I'm sure it's you know it's not the worst, it's not the best, but I'm sure Joe Hart's is a lot better. I'm sure our defence or centre back payment helps Joe Hart. I'm sure you know whoever Barkas um, the the two centre halves in front of him probably aren't as good as Carter Vickers and Starfelt, but. No, but I mean, if you're going into the transfer market, you're looking for someone better than Joe Hart, and Barkas definitely isn't that. So, you know, if you were to pay him, what, 15 grand, 10 grand a week to sit on the bench behind two goalkeepers, then that that's an expensive, that's an expensive mistake in my opinion, and just another one that you have to move on. Not only that, I think some players, it just doesn't work out at certain clubs. You know, it's just... It just doesn't happen. You know, the guy had a decent career at Athens and he's came to us and it's been an absolute disaster. And I think it's just best if everyone moves on. Yeah. And the thing is, I look at these two players, Colin, and this will never change. I look at Ayeti, the first thing I think is Tony. I look at Barkas, the first thing I think about is how we got into the situation where we had to buy a goalkeeper. You know, we had already made that decision around Craig Gordon. We offered him a deal. He wasn't happy with it. He went to Hearts because we believed Foster was in the door. He changes his mind, and this is a panic buy. This is one of the worst panic buys Celtic have ever made. Um, and we're going to have to basically take a sting on the £10 million, plus all the wages on top of it. And uh, if you get a million quid for each of these players, I think we're doing well. But we will find a club for them. That's the thing. We will find a club for these two guys. Yeah, you look at it. If these, if these guys are on anything near twenty grand a week, that's that's a million pound a year in wages saved as well. That's someone else that can be brought in. So... I've got to admit, I did think, looking at the time, that Barkas would have been a good goalkeeper for us, especially, as you say, his performances for AEK. Um, even against Celtic, he was pretty good. So it's just one of those ones where certain players just don't fit the team, and I think Barkas just didn't fit Scottish football or Celtic. Nah, we move both of those guys on uh, sooner rather than later because the, the wages, it's just a, a black hole. You're throwing 30 grand a week down down uh, every single week. So, uh, yeah, expensive mistakes, legacy errors, nothing to do with Ange, and uh, we can move on from them. Yeah, although I've got to say that goalkeeper kit does remind me of Barney the Dinosaur. So It's, it's terrible, eh? especially when you pull your socks up like that as well. Shocking, <laughs> so but at least on. he at least he's not wearing purple boots. Who would do that? Who would wear the same colour of boots as their their full kit? Who would be head to toe in orange? Bad move, right? Certain people, <laughs> call, certain people. Next up, this one I'm sure will cause a bit of a debate. Mikey Johnson. Um, so his contract isn't up until 
2026. He's on loan in Portugal just now. He's started 18 league games for them, 24 in total. He's also now been called up to the Irish national team, just as we see the Irish jersey behind Paul just now. Only three goals this season and only three assists. But does that really tell the full story? Because everybody's been ranting and raving about his performances. You know, an assist can simply just be a tap in. Is he creating more um, from Mikey John from Mikey Johnston than what we would see maybe from the likes of Leila Bada, who's really looks as if he's down tools. You've got Dyson Maeda there, uh, Haksabanovic, we were just speaking about Jota. Or do we bring him in because of the homegrown rule that we need for the Champions League next season? It's a difficult one. Everybody at the start of this season was saying Johnson needs a loan, Johnson needs a loan. He's now had that loan, that loan's nearly finished. What do you what do you do with him now? Well, I I don't think about those down tools. I, I don't um he's maybe not been as effective as he was last season. Uh and at that age your head gets turned, you've got a new agent, they're telling you that you're great for the, the the English League. By the way, remember Abada spoke about the English League, you know, not long after he signed for us. It's probably always been his ambition. Uh, I wouldn't have said he's down tools. I think that would be a wee bit unfair, Colin. Um, so I'm going to stand up for Abada on this one. However, Mikey Johnson, the contract, uh, the homegrown rule, all that thing, all, all of these um, criteria, I think, pushes and points towards him coming back. He will come back to Celtic. That's what I believe. What what role do you think he'll have? When he comes he's back? not a first pick. He's not, he's nowhere near as effective as uh, Maeda, Jota, um, Abada, Haksabanovic. Um, you know, he would he would come back to Celtic. Um, I don't think he would be playing any more games than the likes of James Forrest. Whether or not Mikey Johnson will be happy with that. Um, but as I say, with, with regards to his contract and the fact that he he would then be one of those eight homegrown players, because the way I look at that, Colin, is in the summer, I think we're going to get rid of James McCarthy and Stephen Welsh, who, by the way, I thought it was brilliant the way he celebrated that goal with Jota. Um, delighted. He's not really been in and about it, but he was delighted, as we all were, and as the boy, ball boys were as well. But I think we're going to we're going to lose those two players, and I think Johnson will come back as a result of that um, to be one of the eight homegrown players. And another guy who you're going to probably talk about will be another, and Adam, Adam Montgomery. Yeah, and when you look at it, though, I mean, we were speaking about Mikey's development when he went out on loan, and Patrick, I don't think if he was to come back and basically sit on the bench and, as Paul says there, get the same amount of minutes as James Forrest, that that does him any good for his career. And at this stage now, he's, what, 24, 25, I think? Um, That's not something that Johnson will want. He'll want to be playing week in and week out, and... I think if he's not going to be at least within a shout of the first team at Celtic, he'll move on. Yeah, I think from his his perspective, it is it's a bit of a tricky one. I think Welsh is in a he's in a similar bracket because he's a similar age. I think you know twenty three, twenty four. Both uh, Celtic fans, uh, by all accounts, but both pretty far away from being a first choice starter. Um, I agree with Paul. I think Welsh will move on. Um, you know, I thought he was getting somewhere at the start of the season, but it looks as if, you know, it's just not going to happen. Uh, Johnston, again, it's, it's it's a really, really strange one. I mean, if he thinks he can make it at Celtic and he's given certain, you know, sort of footballing promises, then I'm sure he'll certainly give it one last go. But, 
It's it's so hard to call with three years left in the contract, but then also being you know a third choice left winger. It's 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 a difficult one. I I think I don't think he would leave permanently in this summer. I think he would maybe have another loan or something, um, or you know try and stick it out, try and uh, break into the first team. But it's it's such a such a difficult one. I'm a Michael Johnson fan. I think he's I think he can be a brilliant player at times. Just you know. Injuries and decision making has just cost him dearly for the last uh, three seasons. Colin, just a quick one, mate. Do you think he'd have played as much football if he had stayed at Celtic? I don't know. I don't because know. I think he'd, I think he'd have seen a lot of appearances off the bench from him, but I'm not mm. sure he'd have made a lot of starts. Because you know, 24 appearances. I don't think he'd have played that game that that amount of games this season. And he's coming back not only with that that football under his belt, he's coming back as an international player now. So I think there is a few different dynamics that, that are taken into account, but none more so than the contract and the fact he's a homegrown player. I, I think they're they're two big uh, deciding factors on Mikey. I think we've said this now for the last maybe three seasons, that this summer will be a massive summer for Mikey Johnson and his career. So again, I guess we'll just have to wait till he's back in the green and white to see what happens. He's 23, by the way, 24 next week. That was close. Uh, moving on, someone who maybe doesn't come into the consideration a lot, Ozazi Uragidi. Who followed us on Twitter for one day and then unfollowed us. He's like Liam Gallagher. He, do, he has no followers. He doesn't follow anybody, right? And we, we'd done something similar and I was like, he's never going to make it at Celtic. Then he followed us. He got me a bit paranoid. I thought <laughs> I was going to get a DM off him or something. And then he unfollowed us uh, straight away. So, so hi yeah. Ozazi if you're watching then. Um, Ozazi Uruguide, 29 appearances um, over in Belgium. He has played 2,208 minutes, uh, no goals, no assists. And annoyingly, I don't show the, the clean sheets there. I don't know how many clean sheets he's got, but it looks like he's pretty much a regular starter for um, his team over in Belgium. He's contracted to June 2025. He had that pretty impressive performance when he played right back in the Europa League, Patrick. But you look at it, we're speaking about Stephen Welsh moving on. Probably the best he could do just now is come in as fourth choice centre back. It's uh, another strange one. I mean, he's not someone that I've even, you know, sort of remotely thought about, Urigidi. Uh, um, I thought it was doomed uh, from the minute it started, to be honest. He's he's never looked well. He's all, I mean, he looks strong, he looks quick. Um, he's obviously quite tall as well. So he's got all the natural attributes, but. I just didn't think he looked like a footballer at all and I think he's another one that could leave, uh, in my opinion. I just don't think there's anything there. You know, him and Shaw, sort of two peas in a pod coming from Sheffield Wednesday signed before Ange came in the door and I just don't think it's going to happen for, for either of them, to be honest. What do you think, Paul? Have we, has he got a place or is he another Jack Henry that he's made his name in Belgium will get a couple of quid for him? I think there was interest in him previously because he's only he's in his second loan spell now, um, and the, and the issue was they couldn't afford him uh, to make it permanent first time round. I think yeah, he's, he'll go. Uh, he wasn't Angie's buy. Um, he doesn't have yeah. He's got big, strong physicality uh, to his play, but can he play the ball out from the back? I don't think so. So there's a lot better player. I mean, I think. Um, you, you could probably look at Jens and say Jens was a far better player and we didn't keep him. So I don't think Uruguide will come back as a Celtic player. Hopefully we can tie up a deal and move him on and, like you say, maybe he can flourish over in Belgium. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's quite interesting that we're looking at these loan signings and there's not really one that you'd say would come in and make any sort of impact on Andrew's team just now, with the exception of maybe Johnson. Um, but maybe this guy can, Adam Montgomery. Uh, his contract's not up until June 2025. Uh, obviously on loan at St Johnston just now, started 26 games for them. He's got one goal and three assists. Uh, been booked five times for a total minutes of 2,125. I think he's currently injured just now. Um, or he was coming back from injury. I think he played at the weekend. He's someone who's been ever-reliable in that St. Johnston team. Only problem is that St. Johnston team have been pretty poor this year, Patrick, and they've been down sort of battling relegation. What do you think about Adam Montgomery? Would he come in to be the third-choice left-back, you think? I think he could. I think he could play his way into, you know, second choice. I think there's still a lot of questions over Burnaby. Um, I quite like Burnaby. I quite like Adam Montgomery. But um, I think he's he's definitely one for the future, as we were saying just before we went live. You know, he only turns 21 this summer, so plenty of time to develop, you know, potentially time for another loan deal. Um, and, you know... The, just because he's playing for a poor team doesn't mean he's a poor player. Uh, Ayer went to Kilmarnock for, I think it was only six months. And mm-hmm. Kelly, it wasn't under Steve Clark. I think they were quite poor at the time, Kilmarnock. And Ayer came in and I think within a year was arguably our first choice uh, centre-half. So you, you, you never know with, he, with these players. Um, it, you certainly want to keep around. I wouldn't sell him on, uh, move him on permanently in the summer unless it was something he was pushing for. He's someone now, Paul, that's had a couple of loan spells in Scottish football. Mm. He's definitely someone who's acquainted himself with the league. That obviously helps. Is he up to the standard to get himself in and fighting for a place in Andrew's squad? It's like you say, I think 35 first-team games in our league, so he's he's proven that he can play at that level, Colin, whether or not he's good enough for Celtic. At this stage of his career, I wouldn't be writing him off. I think he's very similar to uh, Mikey Johnson in that he's got a few years left on his deal, he'll come back, uh, he'll fit that quota. I don't know where the opportunities are going to be for first-team football. I think um, he might not be at uh, St. Johnson next season, but I think we'll loan him out. And you know how, what I think about players. I'd much rather we loaned them out to fellow Premiership sides. Um, you know, it's great to see somebody like Jack Kendrick go to Belgium, Colin, and, and making a career for himself out there. But if they're our player and we are contributing to their wages, as we undoubtedly are, then I think... Get, get them out to a Scottish club, they might damage our main challengers. So I, I yeah. like the idea of Montgomery and, and guys like Scales and that. I like them being within the Scottish game. He'll come back. I'm pretty sure he'll come back. I know we're over time, but we've got a couple more just to quickly go through. First one being Liam Shaw. He's on loan at Morecambe just now. Um, as you can see, he's played 37 times. Morecambe's really not having a great season, to be perfectly honest, in League One. Um, 3,054 minutes he's playing pretty much week in and week out just now uh, six yellow cards for me I think he's someone that you'll see a, a mutual termination of his contract at the end of the season Paul I just I don't think I mean you, you've seen he's had his opportunity he went to Motherwell couldn't really get into the team 
Maybe just someone that doesn't suit Scottish football. You know this, I, I'm kind of grouping Mikey Johnson with Adam Montgomery. I'm grouping uh, Albion Ayeti with Barkas, and I'm going to do the same with Shaw and Urugidi. Um, in that they were never Angie's players to begin with. He's inherited them. Uh, I don't think they were anywhere near good enough for Celtic. Um, they were obviously projects. And, you know, the fact that he's playing for Morecambe, I think, says it all, to be honest with you, mate. He's not going to come back and make an impact at Celtic, no chance. So it'd be better for him and for Celtic just to move him on permanently. The thing is, Patrick, he was obviously very highly rated when he came in. Um, Sheffield Wednesday fans were absolutely gutted when he left them. But he's looked okay in his fleeting performances that he's had for Celtic. But you look at that Celtic midfield and he would be like, Fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh choice in there. Ah, he's he's well done the pecking order. I mean, you're looking at guys like Turnbull, and we're talking about him moving on. And what is he? He's arguably sixth choice, David Turnbull, and Shaw would be behind him definitely. So I agree with uh, Will McMillan in the comments. I always thought it was a bit slow. I thought it was, I thought it was an okay player. I didn't think he set the world alight. Obviously, never made that many appearances for us, but. Just quite slow, and obviously Turnbull sort of gets is put in that bracket as well. You know, a lot of natural ability, but arguably not fast enough to play the way that we want to play. So it's it's hard to see how he gets any game time at Celtic. And if you're not getting game time, you're definitely not going to make it. So I would bracket him with a giddy like Paul and say uh, he's going to he's going to be away in the summer permanently. And then finally, we've got Liam Scales, who's on loan at Aberdeen, played thirty three times, uh, one assist. Two red cards for a total of 2,912 minutes. Now, if we'd looked at this maybe a month, two months ago, you'd have said he's in a terribly performing side. The Aberdeen fans were starting to sort of pick him out as one of their weaker performers. But since Barry Robson's came in and Aberdeen's form's turned around, they're, they're up to third and they're, they're really liking what they're seeing from him again. So it's strange. He obviously came over here and the Irish boys that watch Paul thought really, really highly of him. He's played okay in the performances that he's played um, in the green and white. Obviously scored that cracking goal at mm-hmm. Tannadice. Again, I just don't think there's a future for him. That's the thing. I remember uh, quite a lot of the, the boys in Ireland coming on and saying, you know, don't underestimate uh, Liam Scales because of where he's come from in terms of the league and standard of the league. We're maybe a wee bit uh, snobby when it came to that, Colin, when we signed him. But I think the, the Tannadice game stands out, as does the cross for the goal up at Ross County. I thought he played really well that night. Um, and, and I quite liked him, I'm going to be honest with you. And The, the, the one frustration I got is we never uh, actually seen him playing at centre-half on the left-hand side of the centre-half. We've certainly never seen enough of him playing there. That's his preferred role. I think he started off really well at Aberdeen, but like the team he was playing in, Colin, it tailed off. Barry Robson's done brilliantly. If they don't give him that job permanently, he'll get a job somewhere permanently. Dundee United probably should be looking at him. Uh, talk about Barry, Barry Robson. And yeah, his performances have been pretty well, uh, pretty good. I think he's done what Montgomery's done. He's, he's shown that he can play at, at this level in Scottish football. Whether or not he's going to get a game, is he any better than Stephen Welsh? Uh, you know, that's what you ask yourself. That's the point Patrick made before with Shaw. Was Shaw going to get a game ahead of David Turnbull, who's on the fringes? No chance. And the same thing with Scales. Scales isn't going to get a game ahead of Welsh, so he's not going to be a starter for Celtic. But I think a move to a team like Aberdeen would be brilliant for him. 
you take a look at this, Patrick, and obviously we're, we're now talking about all these players. So that's seven loan players we've looked at just now, and potentially maybe only one of them would come back into the squad. So as much as we're looking ahead to the transfer window and we're saying we need to add in maybe three or four um, for the Champions League coming up next year, you've got to remember there's guys like this that are on the wage bill that are still getting paid week in, week out off of Celtic. Some of them getting paid really handsomely and... Mm. It could be more difficult to get rid of these guys and it could be a case of to continue to balance the books the way that we do and continue to run at profit. These guys have got to find a, another club. We've got to try and find suitors for these players. Yeah, and it's funny. The guys that we are saying we come back into the squad probably are the ones who aren't paid as much as the ones that we're going to punt. I mean, Ayeti and Barcastle, obviously, they're just gone. They, we're, we're going to try and get rid of them. And not only that, they're earning enough option. Guys like Scales coming from the League of Ireland, I don't think you've gone that much money. Same with Adam Montgomery. Uh, Mikey Johnson obviously getting an improved deal in 2019, so he'll be on a decent amount, I think. Um, but Scales is a funny one. I, I wouldn't mind doing a Ryan Christie and sending him, sending him back to Aberdeen next season so that they can have him for that season and we keep him permanently because... I mean, I, I didn't think he another one who was nowhere near the first team, but I mean, he's obviously having a decent season for Aberdeen. And as Paul said, he's a left-footed, left-sided centre-half and they're, they're commodities in world football. So, you know, if we if we really want to, you know, try and take this passing out from the back seriously and try and become super slick, if he can get up to that level at some point in the future, I think he's worth keeping around. But... Um, Again, I saw what you see him getting into the first team next season. So there is some others that are out on loan, the likes of Toby Olawayemi, Johnny Kenny, mostly B-team players, and then there's some that we know just don't have any future at Celtic at all, like Ismail Asoro, um, who I've not included in here. But we were just saying before this, Paul, obviously we're looking at potentially Welsh leaving in the summer, if he does. Um, Forrest maybe not getting the game time, not being involved in squads. Where does the eight players come from that you need then? Because well, it, it, we've just now established that it really isn't in the players that we've got out on loan. Well, the other question would be, do you need them? Because we, we've done without them all season. Uh, do you need to fill that gap? Or is that basically us trimming the squad to a more manageable size, Colin? Because we've not missed a single one of those players uh, that's out on loan. And I think that uh, when you look at Soro, Ayeti, and Barca's just in transfer fees, you're looking at 12 million quid. Unbelievable waste of money. Not Angie's fault. Um, I think you could confidently get rid of 10 of the... I think there's 12 out on loan, right? Because you've got yeah. Connor Hazard as well, um, who's actually came back. He's 25. You know, mm. that's another player that doesn't have a future. It's, he's 25 years of age. He's, a, he's, he's an international player. You need to move these guys on, Colin. And even if... Say you were to shift 10 of your loanees on permanent deals and you're placing with three or four guys who are contributing to the first team. I think that's good business. You know, it, it just shows that we were maybe a wee bit flabby around the edges when it came to squad size. And I think you just move them on. But you don't you don't buy in like for like. You buy maybe three or four uh, top quality players. And I've got to say, I, I think it's a sign that the, the players that we're putting out on loan now is probably our weakest loan, like loanees that we're putting out there now. There's, there's nobody that really would come in and you'd say they've had such a good season they're going to walk straight into Ange's squad. 
No, so, you don't have a you don't have an Ayer or a Christie. No. You know, we did the same with McGregor, didn't we? You knew yeah. there was a future with some of these guys. We done the same with uh, Tommy Rogic, remember as well. Yeah. Out to Australia, came back. So no, I don't think there's any real candidates to be honest with you. We're umming and on about two, maybe three, uh, and I'm coming back. But yeah, it, it just shows you that the recruitment policy column wasn't good enough with a lot of the buys. Uh, and thank God uh, we've, we've changed that, by the way. But well done on the graphics. I thought that was really good. And it just highlights, as I say, maybe a, a squad that needs trimmed. I don't think Ange is going to bring any of them back. There's a few guys still here like Connor Hazard, Stephen Welsh, maybe Scott Bain, you know, maybe James McCarthy, uh, who will be moving on as well. So it will be a very interesting summer. Loads of comings and goings. One final thing before we go, though, Colin, uh, we were talking... Um, last week around uh, two young men who had gone missing uh, and very, very sadly we heard news that Evan Reid uh, had been found, his body had been found so thoughts and prayers with his family and his friends at this time as well but please spare a thought for uh, Rhys Roger uh, Rhys is still missing his family uh, are understandably at their wits end wondering about his whereabouts. He's now been missing for almost three weeks. It's uh, it's very sad, obviously, uh, when anyone goes missing, but there has been no sightings, no updates or anything, Colin. So the family are really, really worried. If you've got any information, if you were in the area on the 18th, 19th of March, uh, Kinlaw Cranach, you might have had a dash cam, you might have some information that you can share with the police, then please call 101 with the reference number 1348 uh, of the 19th of March, because, you know, there's been big groups, big search groups calling the people going up to um, the, the the last scene that, that, that he was actually sighted at, and they've been organised by friends and family on a you know daily basis to try and find something um, that will uh, solve this mystery for them. And he is currently missing 28 years of age. He's from Rosyth, he lives in the villages, um, but unfortunately, we've not had any updates. So anybody that can help, get in touch. You never know. Over a month, we go out to 1.2 million eyes and ears calling. So you just never know. Someone out there might be able to help. Uh, and if you can, please do. Uh, by the way, brilliant uh, cont contribution from yourself, Colin. A great contribution from everybody in the comments section. And, of course, from Patrick. Thank you all for getting involved. Please join us again at 12.30 tomorrow for our Celtic State of Mind. Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.